The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Tenakoto Kato, my name is Toby Manhai. This is Gone by Lunchtime. It's just after 1 pm on Monday, February the 20th. Um, kia ora, Annabelle Matha, who's here in the studio with me. Kia ora. And thanks to Tiahe Butler, who's making it all happen here for us. We were going to gather uh, last Tuesday and we had a agenda ready to go on um, the policy reprioritization, all that sort of stuff, which seems now a million years ago, but we couldn't make it happen because I just checked the messages, Ben Thomas who's piping into us now. And the last message we got from you for several days was, yes, don't worry, can Zoom in no trouble from Wairoa. They have great they have great internet there and it's free by the river, which has a kind of tragic irony to it now. Tell us about, tell us about what happened after we got that last message from you. Well, first of all, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, yep. Uh, so I was, I was down in Wairoa, uh working remotely uh, last week, and so so obviously the sort of cyclone. For some reason, I sort of thought, oh, this 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 will be quite lucky. I'll I'll avoid the depredations of the gigantic cyclone that's heading towards Auckland and Coromandel, according to news reports, and. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, the 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 night of the cyclone, we sort of went for a drive and kind of had a look at uh, you know the wild weather. Um, the next morning, I woke up and it was extremely sunny. It was a beautiful day, uh, and I thought, wow, it's you know it's a real um, it's a real uh, you know it's a real miracle that you know we had that we had that terrible weather last night and now it's all it's all finished. And then I looked a little further out the window <laughs> underneath the blue skies and saw that the river across from which I, I'm staying uh, had probably risen, hard to tell, probably up four, four, four or five metres, um, had totally overflowed the banks, oh. uh, submerged the, hot, the, the camper van park uh, opposite um, and had cut off the sort of road uh, where I was staying Um that that was sort of impassable because of the water, um, and sort of you know the, later that uh, day we were kind of evacuated um, r- rather than sort of going through the sort of sludge and mud that had all been thrown up by the river, which was still really kind of torrenting down. You know, you'd see these sort of 
um, you know, bales of wool and uh, and hay, or so not wool, sorry, it's hay bales from um, upstream, you know, pretty much full trees kind of coming down, not sure whether that was sort of forestry slash or just sort of erosion from the sides of the banks. Um, you know, really, really going a pretty, pretty fair clip. Um, so we, we, uh, drove over, we drove through a very, um, helpful neighbor's, uh, lawn, uh, into, into an adjoining road, uh, went and had a look at the sort of the, the evacuation center, um, you know, how things were around town. It seemed that, uh, if you've ever been to Waidoa, the main street Marine Parade, uh, which is the sort of, you know, the commercial district of this bustling town of 5,000 people or so. Um, it, it's opposite the river, um, and the floodwaters were sort of, you know, they were encroaching up the bank. They were pretty much onto the street, but they hadn't kind of breached the curvature of the road to get over to where all the shops were. So at that point, we sort of thought things were, you know, it obviously wasn't sort of, you know, great. It wasn't a great situation, but it was, you know, the town had avoided sort of the worst kind of impacts um, of the cyclone. Um and it was only sort of that the 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 bridge was closed off uh, because of all of the trees hitting it. That's a, a new bridge that was built after Cyclone Bola, uh, which had which had which destroyed the previous bridge. So this is this is a a, a, a bigger bridge um, over the Waitoa River um, in town. That was that was blocked off by a fire engine uh, to stop people going over, and apparently that was because of all the logs. Uh, hitting, hitting, and knocking the bridge, which led to sort of fears that it might uh, kind of collapse. Mm. So it was it was only sort of probably you know later that day or the next day that people became sort of aware that actually the other side of the river had been you know absolutely devastated, which is that that's a that's a place where there's a sort of confluence of two of the the rivers coming from uh, you know higher ground. And they come together, and and what had happened is that they had flooded from both sides and sort of just washed, you know, huge levels. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine from Lake Waikatamoana, who is now working as you know on the roading contractor team down here, and he he said that they had been dispatched on the night of the cyclone to kind of to get people out of their houses on that other side of the river. He said within ten minutes of going into one house, they the the mud was up to their waists as they were sort of helping people out. So. There are whole sort of streets. Uh, I'm not sure how much of the town as a percentage it would be. Probably about uh, 15, 20 percent. That's just sort of you know that was just totally washed over in the sort of silt and sludge. Um, you know, a lot of the houses have been sort of rendered unlivable. Um, if you're familiar with Wairoa again, you'll know that you know a lot of people in this in this town in this district aren't exactly sort of living like kings and, and queens anyway. Um, there's 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 been a long-standing housing shortage in the district. Prior to last week, I think there was zero properties for rent uh, for for accommodation in the district. It's sort of a few hundred homes short in terms of the current population, and that was before all of these houses got ridden off. You know, the power was out for most of the town for only sort of a day or two, uh, but there was this kind of communications. Um, I, I, I still don't think we've got fibre internet here, um, but both both the cell networks seem to be back up and running, thanks to Elon Musk. Um, and 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 so sort of contact with the outside world was sort of re-established sort of Thursday, Friday. And, yeah, there's, there's, there's a variety of sort of relief efforts going on um, in town. 
you know, everyone's sort of, you know, the iwi groups uh, here, Kanunu, uh, Pahuera, then Tuhoi up at um, the lake and around sort of Tuai. They're all providing support for the district. The city council is sort of mobilised as well as it could. There, you know, there's a lot of military in town um, to just doing sort of civil civil works, digging. Um, because when, when, when you think about how isolated these communities are, you know, during the disaster, a disaster like this, but, but also, also in a way, it's a very different experience, you know, from, you know, living in the cities or other parts of the country, you know, Cyclone Bola, which happened when I was probably about 10 or something, I haven't heard about it since the late 80s, except when I'm in, uh, Wairoa or the East Coast where it's still a very real kind of marker of time and milestone because of the devastation that sort of happened, um, you know, which which required sort of permanent changes to the infrastructure and, and, and sort of how the, the town ran. And the irony is, is that we've heard so much about the carnage caused by forestry slash over the last couple of weeks and actually forestry was an industry that was embraced on the east coast after Bowler because there'd been such terrible erosion from the land being cleared for farming it was thought thought of as a way where you could actually strengthen the fenua and start to prevent that erosion and it's obviously had such a, a, a destructive outcome. What's the What's the scene at the evacuation centre? You said you'd, you'd been down there. Yeah, so um, there, there weren't too many people there the f- that first night. You know, there, b- because it's a small town, you know, most people's first port of call will be to go and stay with Fano, and, and most people, you know, at least temporarily, seem to be able to sort of to call on that. Um, so the number of people actually sort of sleeping in the evacuation centres is not huge. Um, you know, you're just talking about sort of more overcrowding, more strain on sort of accommodation. That That's sort of the organising point for, you know, f- food aid. Um, and, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, donations coming in, blankets, linen, that kind of thing. More, more, more recently, there's been a lot more activity sort of around that area because that was where the uh, the first Vodafone receptor was set up on Thursday. And at that point, sort of, you know, you, I, I remember a lot of comment around sort of COVID, which was that, you know, all of these sort of, you know, roads and things have become livable public spaces that were sort of bustling with activity. And I think, you know, most most small towns would probably appreciate the level of activity that Waitoa currently has in its sort of central couple of blocks uh, where cell phone uh, activity, uh, you know, uh, reception's been restored. You know, there's there's been a wide variety of, you know, groups who have sort of, uh, you know, who have been giving out aid um, and, and a lot of it's sort of focused there. One issue has been that, you know, that's that's actually the wrong, sort of the wrong side of town. So, you know, while all of this sort of assistance is available there and, you know, these people coming in and cooking barbecues and things like that, there's a, bit, a few qualms that it sort of hasn't reached the people who are, you know, busy digging out their houses and actually dealing with the worst consequences, um, you know, of, of, of the disaster so far. And what is that in terms that worst affected area on that side of the river? Is that how, what sort of proportion of the wide or population are we talking about there? Uh, yeah, that'd be hard, hard to say. Um, you know, look, it's, it's not the majority, but, you know, it's a pretty significant part. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, not, not, not totally clear. So, but you know, it's look, it's, it's in the hundreds and, you know, and it really is sort of, you know, complete, you know, 
right now the 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 first sort of the first step in the cleanup was uh, people taking you know getting their household goods out onto the roadside to be collected by council. So you just go past, and pretty much everything mm. that, that that families own is sort of just piled high, covered in mud, sort of on the side of the road. Um, and you know they've started bringing along uh, rubbish trucks to just sort of clear everything away. Um, a lot of cars got ridden off, um, you know, sort of just stuck on the side of the road uh, because it did. It just, you know, rose so quickly sort of in the middle of the night. Um, you know, a few infrastructure sort of issues. Um, one of the one of the big contracting firms here um, didn't move its didn't move in the equipment from its yard fast enough. So that got kind of inundated as well. And, you know, there's been there's been some sort of discussion that that may have sort of hampered some of the early efforts, too. You know, it's 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 not a great scene. Um, on the other hand, you know, I think there was pro- there was there was quite a lot of concern about Waido because it was cut off. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, once those images started coming through on the internet, you know, from Hawke's Bay, uh, or from you know further south Hawke's Bay, um, you know, East Valley, Hastings, you know, um, mm. you know, small mercies, but it it, it seems that you know. The, you know, as, as far as I as far as I'm aware, there haven't been any deaths in Waitoa, um, so it's it's mainly a matter of property damage, which you know you don't want to underestimate because this is you know this is a pretty deprived area already, um, but uh, but fortunately no loss of life. Yeah, I mean we I think at the latest toll is 11 people have died as a result of Cyclone Gabriel. The connectivity issues have been. People have been talking about those a lot. What, what? How did did you say that? Were you, did I get you right in saying before that the power came on before the sort of cell tower connections did? And how was that period in terms of people communicating with one another with, within wide or even? Yeah, it's interesting because it is such a small town. So you you did have people coming into those kind of those areas like the evacuation centre, which was in the War Memorial Hall, and the and. Um, you know, one of the local reporters to me remarked, you know, it would have been a very different, uh, you know, it would have been a very different experience of the disaster if there was uh, phone connectivity um, because people had to find it, you know, because the only way you could find out what was happening is going and talking to people and asking them uh, as opposed to just sort of scrolling or going to updates on news websites. Um, you know, people were in the town. It was very busy. It was very active. Um you know, in, in terms mm. of the evacuation centre, which you asked about before, you know, not that many people sleeping there, quite a few people getting um, support there, but even more people just sort of, you know, trying to find out what's happening. Um, and, you know, it's... Um, it, 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 I think Karen McNulty, was it, described it as a communications black hole, Um and it, it was a sort of it, it is a sort of interesting experience, you know, going back to the transistor radio and kind of li- listening into, in my case, because it was the only station I could find today, FM, uh, for updates, and um, mm. yeah, and, and living in a sort of low information environment, and you know, in in that you know in that environment, sort of rumours kind of will spring to life. <laughs> so um, I think it was a couple of days ago, there were people just sort of. You know, a big, a big, quite agitated group just parked outside one of the ATMs. There's two in the main street, which have both been out of commission, obviously because of the internet. Um, and mm. 
and and just the sort of group sort of mobbed around it with you know a security guard saying you know there's no money coming here it's um you know you, there's nothing to wait for but obviously they had heard something and it had sort of circulated um and they were kind of not going to miss out so uh, you know, and, and then you get the sort of, you know, so, sort of rumours about, you know, things that could have made the flood worse. And um, so, you know, the council's been pretty good here. They've been uh, handing out a um, you know, very old school communications, you know, handing out a two-page A4 flyer um, with, mm. with sort of all the information to hand. Um, you know, people have been asking sort of, you know, you know, all the questions that you would ask, things like when, when are we going to get fuel um, you know, when are, when are more supplies coming in? And the authorities have been very good in terms of sort of, you know, being very clear what they do know and what they don't know. Um, you know, the I think yesterday the fuel no there was no there was no fuel available at petrol stations um, until yesterday. And there were huge huge queues. Sort of, I think they started selling gas again at one of the petrol stations, cash only, at. Two o'clock at one o'clock, there was already a sort of twenty-car queue um, for one side. You know, for your petrol uh, valve being on one side, then the same on the other side, um, sort of snaking around two kind of corners. And the you know, I think that queue stayed about the same size, sort of at least 30, 30 cars lined up for the next probably four hours. Yeah. To your point about um, rumours spreading, that, that, that I th we had thought that the way of getting rid of misinformation would be to just to shut down the internet, but it turns out that experiment didn't work. No, <laughs> no that's right. Um, although most people were pretty pretty keen to get some 5G back. Um, ben, how are the Madai faring down there? Uh, I think they're good. They, but they were unaffected, uh, as far as I can tell. So uh, I think it's Hinemihi Marae, um, which is in Clyde, uh, North Clyde, down the end of the affected area. That's where the volunteer efforts have been run out of. And uh, they, they've, I think it's, I can't remember whether it was Kahununu or pa Pahuera have been, they had, um, they had food supplies uh, helicoptered in uh, and, 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 we're giving out Fano food packages. They've they've obviously been a very important part um, of the relief effort. Um, I understand that the two Marae up in Waikaramoana, uh, Waimako and Takuha, are both okay. Uh, there, the the yeah, I, th I think things were okay sort of up at the lake. Um, yeah, and and they have I think uh, two of the Marae Hinemihi and one of the others. The name I can't quite remember. They've been um, they've been taking in people uh, as one of sort of three areas for evacuees uh, around the town. Although, like I said, most people are sort of just relying on Fano, and you know, one co consonant with um, something that I think was you know sort of said in um, you know, some of the stories that are coming out of the Hawkes Bay. Um, you know, of of the the churches who are mobilising, the churches have also played a big part. Um, you know, parishes and, and and congregations have been out helping people. You you do see the importance of these sorts of institutions. You know, marae churches. You know, th things where people get together just in the normal course of events, and they're sort of ready to kind of help out. 
um, you know, just sort of almost on a dime. And you see the value of those institutions. One thing that's been remarked on a couple of few times is that um, no one with patches seems to be out helping their, uh, you know, helping people they don't know. You know, one of the highest gang populations in uh, in the country, you know, by percentage-wise. And um, But, yeah, the sort of the much vaunted sort of uh, parallel institution to the state hasn't really come to the party uh, so much in the wake of the disaster. Ben, you noted it's not the wealthiest part of the country. There'll be a lot of people who aren't insured. There's people who've been displaced from their homes and many will be in a kind of getting by situation, staying with whānau or friends. What's the mood there now? I mean, there's going to be, there's not accommodation to spare, as you noted. This is going to, the town is going to be affected by this for a long time. What's the mood? What's the, what are people talking about? You know, I think I think it's something in common with a lot of, um, you know, the the sort of the, the natural sort of trajectory of these things, which is that in the first few days, everyone is, you know, sort of just glad that there was no loss of life, that they got out, that their family was safe. Um, you know, towards the end of, you know, the power was back on. There, was, there wasn't too much disruption with the water supply uh, for, you know, for most of the town. And, you know, th- that kind of... You know, as, as the reality sort of starts to, or the other sort of reality starts to set in, which is, you know, the the, the cleanup effort that's required. You know, which is it's still pretty, but you know, it's still pretty massive on the other side of the the river. Um, the and and you know, as you noted, I heard one estimate which was thirty percent of people didn't have insurance. You know, Waitara is a town that you know you, mm. a long time ago, you know, many decades ago, was a very prosperous little town, um, and there are you know there are you know, there are some sort of, you know, older people who will own their own homes but just don't have insurance on the homes. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't have insurance for their, their contents and their goods. Um, and that's, you know, that's all gone in those areas. So, um, the, you know, there, there is that sort of, there is that sort of sense of frustration. There's been, uh, you know, looting, um, you know, apparently uh, happening in that area and that, and that gives rise to a sort of sense of frustration as well. You know, I, I think spirits are pretty spirits are pretty high. You know, it is it is a very um, tight knit and supportive community here, but you know, I, th- I think the scale is starting to become apparent. You know, the the idea that you know people are waiting for you know the the countdown to be restocked, uh, not countdown, the new world to be restocked. You know, there's been discussion that the only way to get fuel through will be through um, State Highway 38 through to Uruweta. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven that road, but you know, I, I don't. I can't really imagine it's easy to sort of manoeuvre a, a sort of Mad Max Fury Road sort of style uh, uh, fuel tanker through there. Um, yeah. And you, you you sort of you do realise you know the kind of precariousness you know of of these of these towns and and it brings up a lot of issues like you know their the, their rail link stopped years ago and. I think it's hard for people in this sort of community, in this community, to sort of feel like they have, you know, even even if they're even if they're sort of spoken of as a priority now, um, it's very hard for them to feel that they've um, that they've always been front of mind. I guess. Just to your point about looting, Ben, I was listening to an interview with Andrew Costa this morning, who actually said that there's 
less looting, less dishonesty crime happening at the moment than usual, but what has increased is um, family violence call-outs. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd expect that there's less dishonesty offences because, you know, you're probably not having a lot of shoplifting going on because none of the shops are open. And I think the other thing is that, you know, because the connectivity is still not great, there's no way of telling the police that these things are happening, right? Um, and so, you know, I mean, look, it's probably right. You know, you would probably expect that there's a lower level of it. Um, but I think, you know, it's certainly disheartening for people when it happens. Ben, did you get an alert? Did you get a civil defence alert? Uh, no. No. And I mean, it's one, it's one of the, obviously there's a lot of different layers of things to be reviewed, but I'm not sure whether everyone in that part of the world got those those alerts work properly. Have you heard anything more on that? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I... A kindly elderly civil defence volunteer let me hotspot off her phone on Friday, um, which was my first sort of, <laughs> you know, con- connectivity. Um, then Sparks Network came back online sort of yesterday. But um, no, so no no sort of, no kind of word on um, on, on what was happening with the civil defence alerts or anything. We, I, I don't think, I just don't think they came through here. Mm. Annabelle, um, tomorrow the... Parliament, which adjourned after a kind of brief uh, uh, sitting last week, sits properly. There'll be the Prime Minister's statement and then responses from the leaders of the other parties. It feels like a world away from what we were anticipating just over a month ago when we were mm. looking forward to a Jacinda Ardern uh, versus Christopher Luxon set up. It's sort of hard to fathom really where we are now, delayed and changed personnel. What, this issue, what's happened with Cyclone Gabrielle, the readiness for it, all of that is going to absorb everything, isn't it? It is, and I think the government are probably going to have to have a bit of a rethink of um, some of the other policies that they were trying to usher through, not just Three Waters, but the changes to the Resource Management Act, which was supposed to make things, what was it, quicker, faster, harder, stronger, Daft, smarter, Daft better. Punk something, yeah. Um, because I think what this shows is that our town planning has failed us in the regions and not too long ago the government was looking at building, you know, housing on a, what, what had been identified as a floodplain in, in Rotorua. So I think, you know, if anything, we're going to have to take a, a, a more careful approach with the, with the RMA to mitigate, you know, what's happened and to ensure that we don't create situations where there's more of this in the future. What have you been thinking, Ben? You've had plenty of time to reflect and in many ways you've been sort of in the midst of it. What are your sort of big thoughts on what happens next in terms of New Zealand's political policy response? Yeah, I think I um, I, I heard, uh, as was walking past, so two old guys kind of having a yarn um, and one of them said to the other one, nowhere's safe anymore. And the other one said, no, nowhere's safe. And I'm, I'm not sure to what extent, you know, the, you know the, the, the rest of New Zealand is feeling like that. I presume people in Auckland are after the latest sort of, um, you know, after the, the, the latest battering. 
Um, presumably people in Christchurch always sort of think that. But I think um, Luke Melpus, uh, I think it was on RNZ, said that for a long time climate adaptation has been a sort of poor cousin to climate uh, change mitigation, you know, emissions reduction policy. Um, and it's, it's, it's un- unlike the reductions policy, it's not actually one that we can continue pushing down the ro- kicking down the road because, you know, whatever you do at this point is part of your climate change adaptation policy. If you decide to do nothing, that's part, that's your policy now. And, um, it, it strikes me as sort of, um, I've, I haven't, I haven't really, I haven't totally caught up with the discourse. I saw that, um, Houdin was talking about an early election and, I think he's pretty well alone in that. Yeah, well, yeah, I was, I was thinking through the the strategy. I mean, obviously, to be sort of advantageous for Labour, but the, but because the 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 argument would go something like this, and the, this is what I was sort of thinking through: is that, you know, you would say, look, it's pretty clear that you know there's been massive underinvestment in infrastructure over many years for problems that we'd never really sort of expected to kind of come, you know, either this soon or this this uh, ferociously. You know, we need to do a just sort of a massive, a massive rebuild, a massive, you know, and we want a, a mandate from the election uh, from the electorate to get right on with it. You know, um, mm. and I, you, you know, I, th- I think this will, you know, we were heading towards a sort of nothing election, right, where it was, you know, the battle of two people who weren't Jacinda Ardern to convince us that they were the least like Jacinda Ardern and the most like doing nothing else, you know. Um, and you know, to make themselves as small as possible, like killed into tiny right. little, <laughs> tiny little pebbles on the stage. Um, and now, you know, I think there will be a demand for, you know, even if not immediate action, like at least a, a sort of stance on where on where you sit um, in in terms of, or a stance on where you stand. I guess would be more grammatically correct, like syntactically, or whatever. Yeah, it. it, it I think both of the parties will have to be sort of looking at something, you know, kind of kind of going a bit beyond the sort of political whiteboarding of, you know, what kind of subsidy will get us which which chunk of votes in the election in October, and into oh shit, now we've got a real issue that we actually need to deal with in a serious way, which is you know, re- restoring hopefully, if you can, ensuring the resilience of sort of, you know, provincial communities, you know, because it, it, it's, it, you know, it, it, it is sort of strange to think of, you know, these communities like Gisborne, you know, Gisborne's a big, you know, Gisborne's a city and it's, you know, it's right now totally cut off apart from, you know, two highways that are both, you know, riddled with slips and craters and, you know, yeah, and, and and so you know you can talk about building back better, but you know it could be. I've, I was reading a book about the um, you know the, the teal revolution in Australia, um, and the, how the, how that was sort of get you know the teal candidates were kind of galvanised by the bushfires, you know, and I think we've talked earlier about why I think there's a there's a difference between the National Party here and the Libs and uh, National in Australia in terms of, you know, where they are on climate policy. But I think it will require both of the parties to sort of, you know, have something worthwhile to say. Um, and, you know, that, that for both parties, that'll require, you know, some pretty serious work um, that isn't just sort of on the, on the political basis. Well, I see the logic of why 
you if you were Labour why you might be tempted to call an early election now because I think crises obviously great for governments you know all of that stuff but then about six months down the road when the road still hasn't been fixed and your paddock's still got silt and crap all over it then people start to get fired up the media gets fired up and then the difficult questions start coming so I see why you might want to do it now but I think that most New Zealanders would would see it for as being quite a self-serving proposition when you really need people mm. making hard decisions quickly yeah, rather than out campaigning and kissing your across, babies can't get across the bridge to the polling booth whether mm. or not that's the right time for election um ben critically what have you been doing with your time when you weren't able to access uh twitter or other websites have you read lots of books uh no no just sort of um Kind of just kind of walking around, driving around, having a look, uh, accompanying mm. uh, some of the doughty uh, local reporters um, on their work, um, and being use just as useless to them as I am to the wider community. <laughs> um, all right, look, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call time on it now. Ben's got stuff he has to do. Uh, we'll return to the usual as per political claptrap next week maybe uh we still haven't even talked about the merger and all those sorts of things we're a little bit um out of key thanks ben for coming in we have been thinking about you missing you it's good to see that you're all in one piece okay my, my here's here's my tip for the merger oh, no, okay go on my, 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 tip, my tip for the merger the, the future is am the future oh, yes. is <laughs> low, <laughs> low frequency yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Low maybe just emergency the wind up ones maybe that's it like. I think we we were talking this morning the new spin-off members merch has got to be a wind up torch AM radio right? <laughs> love that ideally with a like a kind of emergency flare strapped to it as well <laughs> and just a in bottle case. opener <laughs> yeah, right. um all right thanks everybody thanks uh, spin-off members for making this possible Thanks, Tia here. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Annabelle. See you next time. Kia ora. And just a, a big shout-out to all the people doing amazing work in Wairoa and the surrounding Hawke's Bay. Kia ora e te iwi. Te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.